Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are live. One, two, three, four. What's up, everybody? Welcome into West by Pod, a podcast about WVU sports, the Big 12, and testing your fanhood. I'm Joel Bracken at WV Stats Guy. As always, I'm joined by Jordan Pinto at Game Day Shorts. And, you know, I just want to start off. Um, congratulations to you, the listener. If you've made it here, you are you are a certified real one. You are The, the, the Fairweathers and the Casuals have left the chat. Um, it is just the, the ones who, who stick through the, you know, thick and thin, the ones that are left. So Jordan is, is one of those as well. He was at the, the game on Saturday. Jordan... Uh, how was the experience and, and how are the vibes? I mean, it was a, a great game day experience. Um, you know, this was 55 and sunny at kickoff and just a beautiful, I literally did not see one cloud, uh, in the sky the entire day. Um, so just from, from, a from an atmosphere, from an experience uh, standpoint, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, game was engaging. Uh, and then, you know, I mean, vibes, I'm conflicted. We were chatting a little bit yesterday after the game. Um, and on the one hand, you know, I do think that there are some positives to take away from the game and there is credit due to be paid to, to various players on the team and, uh, probably, you know, certain members of the coaching staff. But on the other hand, you know, we come up short again in a game that we could have won and it's starting to feel like that might be the ceiling for this year, right? Is, yeah. is we, we pushed one of the better teams in the conference to the brink. And then when it was time to win the game, we didn't make the plays we needed to win uh, the game. And, you know, that's, that's not a fun place to be as a, as a program. It's not a, it's not a fun place to be as a fan. And, and, uh, you know, most frustratingly, it's not where I expected to be at the beginning of the year. Right. I didn't expect this to be a team that would, you know, three and five after eight. I, I didn't, I didn't see it coming. Um, and so, yeah, no, I mean, I, I feel like we're kind of in that, you know, not for myself personally, I'm still going to go to the games and show up and cheer and, and you know, want us to win every game. But I feel like for, for a lot of folks, uh, we're kind of entering that uh, that apathy danger zone where, you know, people are going to, you know, pay attention. And if it's going well, great. And if it's not, they're just going to tune it out. So I don't know. What do you what do you think? Yeah, I mean, like I said, the casuals have, have left and tuned off or tuned out, you know, turned the game off, whatever. Um, yeah, I did think it was interesting. I think we were we were chatting a little bit after the game, and 
you know, there are different takeaways. It's it's one thing you can look at that game in a vacuum. And I, I think just, you know, I guess before we get too into it, you know, for this pod, I, I think we're going to kind of breeze through the, the, the review. You watched the game. You know what happened. You know this team. Um, if you're listening to this pod, you've, you've probably heard us say the things about this team and you, you've recognized them yourself. So, you know, let's just keep it somewhat positive or at least talk about the, the things that are not super repetitive. So, you know, we'll hit on the game, but then we're going to talk Big 12 and then we're going to get into next week, Iowa State. Um, but yeah, so when we were talking about the, the game after this week, you know, in a vacuum, you took the number seven team to the final minute of the game and, you know, there was a chance and all that. Um, I don't want to discredit TCU, but, you know, for a number seven team in the country, I, you know, they, they, Bama's number six. Um, I don't think that would be a close game if you played the two against each other, um, in my opinion. So, you know, whatever you have a top 10 team coming to Morgantown and you have a great opportunity. I mean, that's what it was. You had a great opportunity. You were supposed to lose, but took them to the end there. Um, and you know, just too many mistakes, too many self-inflicted wounds. I think in a vacuum, you know, whatever you can, you could shake it off. But I think in the macro and when you, you know, the wider you zoom out on this season and on the Neil Brown era, it's just like, okay, well, it's another one. We're real close. We're just fix that thing and get that thing right. And man, we're so, so close. But, um, I mean, it's just like time is ticking and, and running out. I feel like of the, how many times you can be close and not get it done. Um, other than the Baylor game this year, you have not beat, you beat VT in, a, in an FCS team. Um, and then you go back to last year, you know, it's like, how many times have you actually gotten over that hump and get it done? And you said it yourself, the ceiling, you know, on this team, is that just where we're at? Um, you know, TCU didn't look fantastic. It, they were vulnerable. There were chances. And as bad as we played at times, as bad as the defense looked in the first half, um, you had several chances in the second half and the offense couldn't figure it out. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think the, you know, you and I, and, and maybe if you're still listening or, you know, still into this team, still into, you know, being a fan, that's just what it is. But um, yeah, the, the joy and the thrill of this season and, and whatever this era kind of has been is starting to wear pretty thin. I think, uh, you know, it's just tough. It's not fun losing. It's not fun being the doormat in the conference. And, um, you know, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but us and Iowa State get to duke it out for that title. So yeah. uh, that's, that's where you're at. I mean, as much as you want to say we were a, a fluke away from beating Pitt and a penalty away from beating Kansas and blah, 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 blah. This is where we're at. I mean, this is the results business and you're three and five. So, um, yeah, it stinks. It's, you know, I think the one thing that stinks is when you start to like, even though the game was never out of reach, I just didn't have that. Like, Oh man, we can, we can really pull it out here. Even, you know, getting the ball down three was, I didn't have a ton of confidence that we were going to find a way. And I, I don't know if, what that says about where we're at right now, but despite us keeping it close and clawing it out, I just never felt great or confident that we were going to find a way to win games because we just don't do it. And that's that's the unfortunate thing about it. Yeah, I think that was kind of the the pervasive sentiment of uh, of the crowd. Um, you know, so, so we were like... <laughs> We were, we were talking after the game and there were, so there were more people at the Baylor game or sorry, there were more people at this game than at the Baylor game, but the Baylor crowd was better um, because, you know, the Texas tech loss hadn't happened yet, I think. And so, you know, there were folks where you could tell that people wanted to, like people were engaged the whole game. You know, the crowd was, the crowd was fine. Um, But it wasn't one of those where like the crowd ever smelled blood in the water. Yeah. Um, You know, and it's, it's, it's the great conflict of the Neil Brown era or the, the theme is, is yeah, like you said, it's, it's just, we're, we're, we're always right there, but we never get over the hump. 
Um, you know, the game went better than I think a lot of us probably expected it to go. Uh, and if you would have told me on Friday, hey, you can sign up for you guys are going to be down three points with and have the ball with three minutes left, I would have, you know, signed. I would have pricked my pricked my finger and signed that shit in blood. Right. I mean, that's um, that's all that you can ask for as a three and four football team when you have the number seven team in the country in your house um, is a chance to go win the game with the ball in your hands. And unfortunately it was maybe our worst drive of the season. I, you know, I think that the, the, you know, the negatives, I don't want to shit on the defense because the defense has been awful all year. We gave up three fifty yard touch, three fifty plus yard touchdowns in the first half and a fourth that was 30 yards. Okay. And, and that's just who we are. That's fine. Um, you know, yeah. we played way better in the second half, um, which I thought was encouraging, but you know, the offense has kind of been when we've been good, that's, that's what's allowed us to be good. The offense has kind of carried us to a certain extent. And in the second half, we just had three disaster sequences. You know, you have, um, like you said, our first two drives of the second half, we're in the red zone. We, we come away with three points on those two drives. Um, some horrible play calling. I don't know why we feel like we have to get cute, uh, you know, inside the 10 yard line. It's, it's just ridiculous to me. The, the sequence, we go jet sweep to the short side of the field. We go quarterback draw with a quarterback who can't run. And then we run back to back fades. Um, and you know, the second one, the second one to pray there was definitely pass interference in my opinion, you know, uh, but, but that is what it is. But when you, when you call plays like that, I feel like you're asking for the referees to swallow that call because it's a fourth down. It's a super important play. And unless it's an absolute mauling, they're probably not going to throw it. And they didn't. Um, and then, yeah, the, the one I was talking about earlier where you get the ball, the defense makes, uh, the biggest play of the game, Malachi Ruffin, who I have just pooped on, on this podcast, you know, several times over the last three months stands up literally, uh, against the guy who's probably a foot taller than him and makes an interception. We have the ball on our own 15, own 20 yard line, whatever it was with three minutes to go down three and we lose eight yards and punt it back to him. And it's just if that doesn't sum up the Neil Brown era, um, I don't know what does. Yeah. And it, you know, on a box score, if you lose by three or, you know, we did lose by 10, so whatever. But um, the the prevailing thing is in all of these games, it feels like we do something late or, you know, just throughout the course of the game that it's just like, what are we doing? We look foolish of like, like that one side. It was, you know, and he says it in the presser, like it was a, the worst one side he's ever seen Casey kick or whatever, but it's like, what college football team is kicking into one side down three with four minutes to go? That's us. And it's like looking silly that we do it. And, and that didn't even determine the game, but it's like, you know, same like you were saying, the play calling sequence there inside the 10, you run a screen or you run a, a sweep to the short side of the field, guy with speed, give him no space. And then you run a draw with a quarterback that doesn't run from the eight. Like you picked up two, didn't help your situation. It's just, we do the things that it's, and then these are decisions. These aren't like, sometimes we do the actions on the field. We have penalties, all that stuff too. But these were like decisions that we made that just make us seem kind of foolish. Like what, what are we doing? Why do we like, we're, we don't deserve to be in this position or we don't know how to act in this position when you have a chance. Um, so yeah, I mean, it stinks. It's just, this is where we're at. I mean, you know, obviously we took some bangs like CJ sounds like the injury is kind of bad. You know, I think Reese Smith. Though he hung on an absolutely crazy catch, it's like the um, best catch I've ever seen. I actually, I was sitting there talking to my talking to my buddies. Um, so I'm in, my seats are in 123. So I'm kind of in that end zone on like the 10 yard line, and you could just tell by the coverage. I was like, Reese up the seam right here, and then we threw it, and he uh, caught it. 
And it's just like, that's like the greatest catch I've ever seen. Um, but yeah, apparently he has a broken arm or something. Is that what the report was? Yeah. I mean, you just got, you get, you know, you just have these injuries. JT has a rough game. I mean, some took some bad sacks, made some bad, you know, he missed some throws. Yeah. It's just, it's a just, lot of, a lot of bad throws on those outcuts. Um, I thought, you know, there were, there were probably two or three when he let go of the ball. I thought it was getting pick six the other way just because of how far inside he left those out. I think one of them was so bad that like Sam James tried to turn back in to catch it and the guy tackled him before the ball got there. We ended up with a pass interference out of it actually. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, he, he, uh, it, it has, it has been a rough two weeks for, for JT, I think is what I would say where, you know, there's been some good throws, but there's been a lot of, yeah, questionable sacks and then other throws where it's like, man, what like, it's not, that's not, not, not great. Not great yeah. out of you. I mean, he, he has, I will say at least most of the season, he's had incredible pocket presence. Like he knows when and kind of can feel that pocket, the pressure kind of collapsing around. But when he gets out and scrambles, like, I don't know why he's trying to make moves. I don't know why he's trying to like extend plays too much. It's just not his game. We roll him out a lot. I don't know why he doesn't look comfortable rolling out. Never. Not um, once this year. So, I mean, there's just there's lots of things going on. And like I said, I don't want to get too repetitive in what we talk about because the defensive things, I think it's just the same shit we've been talking about all year. So yeah. um, it is what it is. Um, I want to ask you just out of out of 10, your climb meter, your trust the climb meter out of 10. I'll, I'll give you my number first. So I came into this day, into this game. I would say I was about a two out of 10 on the climb meter. Things were pretty, pretty dim. And I'd say I left about a 1.5. Um, just because it was like you had a chance. It felt like a game you could win. Talent disparity wasn't crazy, um, but it was just kind of same old, same old. Do you agree or you feel like you're in that same range? I'm in the neighborhood. I'd say I'm probably a three, and I don't I don't think yesterday really moved the needle for me one way or the other. Um, again, you know, I think it went, uh, it went better than probably I expected it to go, um, you know, at about 1030 in the morning. Um but certainly didn't do anything to make me more confident. So, you know. Yeah. I'm just struggling to, to take too many positives out because, like I said, JT struggled. We lose CJ. We lose one of our four productive receivers. You know, we have offensive line injuries, which, you know, Neil wants to talk about injuries, but, like, who isn't hurt eight games into a season? It's, it's a very violent game. It's, you know, clearly other teams are figuring it out. And we are one of, like, the few teams in the Big 12 who has not lost their quarterback for some portion of the season. JT has played the whole season. Um, most teams cannot say that. So I, I don't think injuries are an excuse too bad. Um, I'm just struggling to find a lot of optimism at this point. Um, in, I, I guess in the, you know, kind of in the rest of the season, it's just like, what are the bright spots? We're losing guys who, you know, we're bright spots. We're super thin at running back now. Like, I don't even know what that could look like next week. And uh, yeah, I mean, you are what your record is. It's just, it's rough. It's it's tough right now. Um, on PFF, we're the third worst team in coverage in Power Five. We're the ninth worst team in the country in coverage. Surprise! It's you know not even worse. I think Beta Rank has us at one twenty seven in effective pass defense. I think that's bottom five. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's just it's <laughs> you can't extract much positive uh, out of that. I was peeking at uh, I was peeking at, at uh, Parker's thing, the CFB graphs, which is the the EPA EPA numbers. And uh, TCU's number seven now in, in like the EPA margin per game and like their offense. And they weren't that high last week. And I kind of have noticed that over the last uh, yeah. the last like <laughs> month or so when I've really started paying attention to the Big 12 teams is 
after you play us, you get a big ass bump in your expected points added per play. Um, so that's kind of the what happens when you give up a 71 yard touchdown and a 57 yard touchdown and a 51 yard touchdown and a 30 yard touchdown. So um, that's a lot of expected points added on those four plays. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've noticed that in beta rank as well as every time we when we played Texas and then after the game, Texas was number five. I was like, oh, OK. And then after we lose to Texas Tech, they're like number 15 or something. I'm like, oh, OK. And TCU is going to be great. You know, it's it's a theme where we're upon this rock. Mountain. The Big 12 builds their church, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get that Mountaineer bump in there. Oh, well, I'm 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 good talking about this game. Do you want to? Is there anything else you want to say here? Flush it, burn the tape. Yeah, it's just. I mean, it wasn't anything that we haven't done before. So um, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't want to beat the dead horse. All right. So recap, precap. Let's do it. Let's breeze through. All right. So um, in the early game, I didn't watch a second of this because um, you know we were playing uh, Oklahoma. 27, Iowa State 13 in Ames. Um, did you catch any of this one? Nothing more than highlights. Same. I was, I was watching our game, but um, yep. I think the result you expect, Iowa State grind, or Oklahoma grinded them out, uh, scored enough points. I mean, that's we'll talk about it. Iowa State's a pretty solid unit. So, you know, 27 was enough to, to beat this team. So, yeah. O- OU starting to figure out some wins, but, you know, these are two bottom half of the table teams, I think. Agreed. All right, three thirty. This was three thirty, right? Baylor versus Tech. Um, I think that was the night game, possibly. Oh, sorry, you're right. Yeah, three thirty was Kansas State, Oklahoma State, and uh, so I was driving home from Morgantown to Charleston while this game was happening. I had the stream on. You know, I wasn't. I wasn't being reckless in the car now, but I had it on so I could listen and like. Holy shit! Like oh, Kansas State just burned Oklahoma State to the ground. They they ra- they massacred the populace. They salted the fields. There's not going to be any crops grown in Stillwater in many 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 summers. Um, Forty eight to nothing without Adrian Martinez. I know you watched this one because we were talking about it. Uh, so like, what the hell happened here? Yeah, I think I like exhaled from our game and and came back in and it was like twenty one nothing and I was like what and. I mean, I watch it. I don't think much of the vibe changed when I started watching it. K State could do no wrong. I mean, Howard looked like the best quarterback in the in the conference. Um, you know, Deuce Vaughn is incredible. He's making plays. He's busting them up the seam. He's catching layout touchdowns. Um, but it was the vibe was the Texas game versus us in the first half. It was like yeah. everything that could go wrong was going wrong. Kansas State had. 100% of the juice. Oklahoma State was getting bad, you know, bad bounces. They weren't playing aggressive or like, you know, going to the ball. Like it was just, it was bad. And then by the second half, this game was over. Uh, I mean, the backups were in, I think, early fourth quarter. So it's the worst loss in the Gundy era. How the hell do you predict this leak? I mean, we watched K State crumble to TCU last week, and you feel like OK State is, gets better and better as the year goes on and just absolute anomaly and yeah, was, I don't even know what to say. It was just ap- out of nowhere. Yeah, I don't know if this is a uh, like, am I more impressed by Kansas State or am I like kind of surprised that Oklahoma State was so bad? Or do I just put zero stock in this game and it was just like one of those one off fluky weekends? Um, yeah, like you said, where, where everything kind of just, you know, Kansas State's playing downhill basically, right? Um, I don't know. I mean, I didn't think Kansas State had this in them. So I guess I'd say I'm more impressed with with what they did than 
you know, Oklahoma State's probably going to be fine uh, just because yeah. they generally are. Um, but, yeah, did not think that Kansas State didn't think they had it in them. So this is kind of kind of scary for uh, us, a team that still has to play Kansas State. Yeah, yeah, I think K-State, and we talked about this, they have they have that couldn't be, can be really dangerous sort of attribute to them. And, and this was, I mean, they couldn't have played a better game. You yeah. couldn't have asked for a better game. Yep. All right, night game, Baylor. 45 Texas Tech 17 uh I watched a little bit of this game um enough to kind of get the feel for it and my takeaway is that it makes last weekend against uh, you know us against Tech even more confusing because um yeah Baylor 45 17 we beat Baylor and we lose to Tech by 38 so I uh, what, what the hell are we to make of something like this I wonder how many fan bases are having identity crisis this year. Because Baylor has to be like, how do we lose to West Virginia? And how do we throttle Texas Tech, who's beaten Texas this year? You know, it's like everyone's just... It'd be fun if we were in the middle of this conference because, you know, you feel like you can beat any team and, and lose to any team. And unfortunately, like teams like us and Iowa State are the ones taking the majority of these losses. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you look at how Tech throttled us and, and, you know, we kept it close with Baylor. And then Baylor comes in and, and handles them pretty thoroughly. They beat them by like 30 something. So um, it's just a crazy league and that's fun. Um, So yeah, Baylor must be, must be getting it figured out. All right. So that is, uh, that's it. That's the rest of the action for last weekend. Let's move to a little bit of a precap. So 12 PM slot, we have Texas tech traveling to TCU, TCU nine and a half point favorites. Um, My first thought here is that this is, this is a bad matchup for, uh, Texas Tech. Um, TCU is not going to sit back the way that we did. TCU likes to bring pressure on defense, which I think is how you have to defend the Texas Tech offense. TCU has cornerbacks who are capable of sitting one yard off the line of scrimmage and getting handsy with a wide receiver, which is what I think we should have done against Texas Tech, disrupt some of that timing. Um, and then offensively, uh, you know, I, I just think TCU has more weapons. I, I don't know if they cover. But I think that I think that they win uh, the game. Did you see nine and a half is the point right nine now? Nine and a half, yeah, yeah. I think TCU's getting to that point in the season where you're like, they are eight. No, they're four games from a perfect season. Yes. Yeah. Like I said, I don't want to disrespect TCU because what they've done is phenomenal. But like, man, this doesn't feel like a team that's going to go into. I I was in the middle of the second quarter. I was kind of screaming to anybody within earshot, just like, it might not be us. Somebody's getting these, you know, somebody's going to get those guys. They, they, you said, I think you used the word vulnerable when we were kind of doing the review. That, that was the vibe that I got from them. They got a ton of playmakers on offense, um, but they're, they're vulnerable. Uh, somebody, I feel like somebody, you know, and I think they actually have a lot of teams in the rear view. Obviously you said four games left, but I still, I feel like, I feel like they're getting clipped at some point. You know, it, it does not yeah. feel like a battleship of a football team. Like you said, Alabama's ranked sixth. Like I think on a neutral field, Alabama's favored by more than two touchdowns against CCU. Yeah, I just I would be really surprised if they get out unscathed. I mean, they can take a loss and still make the conference championship game, and that's you know probably mm-hmm. all that really matters. But um, yeah, yeah, at home you feel okay against Tech, but Tech is clearly lethal. They took down Texas, um, so. Uh, I, you have to pick something against TCU eventually. And like, I don't know. I think this could be the sleeper pick um, that Tech comes in and, and is competitive because this conference is stupid like that. Baron Morton's a gamer, man. I'm, I'm a big Baron Morton guy. I think he, uh, I think he's going to be kind of a pain in, a pain in the ass for the next couple of years, redshirt freshman. Yeah. Um, so 
Yeah, I don't think Tech's not going to go away, but I, 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 you know, I think at home TCU wins. Um, all right, three o'clock slot. We have Baylor at Oklahoma. Oklahoma three point favorites, which basically means Vegas thinks this is a push. Um, my read on this: both of both of these teams are improving. You know, uh, both of them were down bad. Um, I would say a month ago or so. Um, and both of them have been playing steadily better, I think, over the last two or three weeks. So I don't know. I'm expecting this to be a good game. What's your What's your feel here? My feel is is wow, how the mighty have fallen. Uh, Oklahoma Baylor was uh, this meant something for conference preseason conference champion, yeah, yeah, championship this a, game. This meant a lot for the last few years, um, and now this is just like a middle of the road conference game that probably has no championship, you know, indication. So. Um, yeah, I haven't watched as much of Oklahoma this season. I feel like that's the one team I just keep missing a lot of their coverage. Um, so I don't know what to expect. But yeah, if you had to ask me, it feels like a push as of now. Um, I don't know how much Oklahoma faithful, like the home field advantage at this point matters because uh, I, I just wonder if the Oklahoma fan base is, is one that sort of tunes out after the third loss of the season. Uh, they're not used. This is uncharted territory for them. So, yeah. Come talk to us after five when you have some real problems, <laughs> Sooners. Man, I I live in Columbus, and I was at a Halloween party last night Jesus. with a bunch of Ohio State <laughs> fans, and it's, um, yeah, every fan base, every team has their problems. You know, our problems are: are we going to make a bowl? Are we going to fire a coach? Some teams are like, I don't think our defense is good enough to win the first playoff game, and it's you know everyone's got their problems. So. Uh, we didn't Oklahoma cover 14 and a half, which I know they didn't because I had 14 and a half and, you know, fucking Ohio State. Um, <laughs> but yeah, everything's relative, right? That's it's, it's a relative. good it's a good point to make. Um, all right. Yeah. So we're, we're expecting a good game there. All right. 330. We have Oklahoma State traveling to Kansas, uh, Oklahoma State, three and a half point favorites on the road. Um. I like them to bounce back. I think Kansas is kind of washed at this point. Uh, the the jig's up for the Jayhawks. It was fun while it lasted. And the literally the worst case scenario, if you're Kansas, is Oklahoma State getting just absolutely their shit pushed in the way that they did last weekend. Because if there's anything that's going to lock a team in, it's getting blown out like that. Especially, especially a good team, which I still think Oklahoma State is. So I'm expecting them to bounce back, um, possibly win this one big on the road in Lawrence. Yeah, I think four is is kind of small for this game. Uh, yeah. I assume Daniel still isn't playing. Uh, I'm kind of going on that assumption. But yeah, this feels like a get-right game for Oklahoma State. Kansas starting to get sweaty time to start go 5-0 and and end 5-7. and So that stinks. You, ah, you kind of want them to find a bowl game just for the season because, man, if you go 0-7 down the stretch, you did lose your quarterback, but... That's oh man, that stinks. After you know, but once again, it's all relative. You got because you got a two hundred, three hundred million dollar renovation on the books coming, so uh, you don't want to give them too much credit <laughs> because I, I think they're going to be just fine. I I I would be fine if Kansas goes zero and seven down the stretch. I, I had all uh, all that I could handle of those guys. Um, hated losing to them. Hated the fact. Well, liked the fact that Lawrence got. Uh, game day for the TCU game, but but that kind of ruined it for me because you see all these people like kind of pretending to be football fans, and I think we even talked about it the week that that happened. It, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm glad I'm glad I'm glad you had a good first month and a half, Kansas, uh, uh, and enjoy the fall. Um, you know, I want people to feel bad with me because I feel bad right now. So 
<laughs> I can I can commiserate with that. Schadenfreude. Schadenfreude. All right, 7 o'clock, Texas, who, you know, talk about a schizophrenic football team. Um, but Texas traveling to Manhattan to play the Kansas State Wildcats. And Kansas State, one-and-a-half-point dogs at home. After beating Oklahoma State by 48, one-and-a-half-point dogs to Texas. The Texas brand... Still carrying weight out here. What are you? Uh, what's your thoughts on this one? Absolutely, game of the week. If you only watch one game yeah. in the conference, it's this one. This has massive implications um, for the conference championship game because this is likely going to come down to a tiebreak situation. The winner of this is clearly on the inside lane. Like if Texas loses this, I think they're like generally, it. generally speaking, they're eliminated unless chaos reigns. So. Um, yeah, this will be a fun game. And this is like K-State's, they put themselves in this position. You know, they were like the sleeper coming in. They win this game and they are in the inside lane to get in the championship game. So yeah. this is this is their pre-Super Bowl. This is, yeah, like a semifinal almost for them. Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, the, if, if I'm uh, if I'm climbing, I'm kind of selling, look, we got to we got to get the, we want that rematch with TCU. This is the one we got to win right here. Because, um, yeah, you beat, you beat Texas and then... Um, I don't know. I'm going to pull up the, the Big 12 standings here because um, I haven't, you know, when you're when you're really shitty, you don't look at the stuff like that very often. Not, not too familiar with the top of the I'm table. I'm not familiar with the top of the table here. Um, okay, State just picked up the crucial win with tiebreak over Oklahoma State. The with tiebreak. Tie so you have TCU 5-0 and in the conference at the top. Kansas State 4-1 and in second with a tiebreak over Oklahoma State at 3-2. and and then Texas at three and two. So you beat Texas here. You go to five and one. Texas goes to three and three, and you have a tiebreak over Oklahoma State and a one game lead. So yeah, I mean, you feel really good going into the last three games of the season if you're Kansas State that you're going to get that shot to uh, to avenge to avenge the 17 point comeback uh, against TCU after your first two quarterbacks got hurt. So yeah, I mean, plenty of motivation here for Kansas State. I. I uh, I think I would go with I think I would go with Kansas State at home here. I you know I I think you know this is one of those where I think they're going to do it. I think they're going to beat Texas. What do you think? I think the I, I think the atmosphere is going to be fantastic. It's a home night game, and like you said, it's essentially a play in. It's like put yourself right in the driver's seat to make it back to the championship game. So um, I think it's going to be rowdy. I think I think they're going to definitely have the extra juice. I think K-State can win this game. Um, Texas does not does not overwhelm me um, with – they have the talent, but like they just find ways to lose as well. So I think on the road, Kansas I think this State is a tough, tough place to go at night. Agreed. Agreed. I can't, I can't wait to watch this one. Um, I was looking at the rest of the slate. I think the other – like obviously we have uh, Georgia at Tennessee. Yeah. Or sorry, Tennessee at, Tennessee at Georgia, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know where, but that's going to be a fantastic game. One of the two, but that one's at three thirty. So, um, you know, this might be one of the. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to say it. I was going to say I might have West Virginia on the small TV this week <laughs> and watch that on the big one. It's like but, a halftime uh, decision. Yeah, yeah. It's like see how it goes, and then maybe flip flop. Um, but yeah, seven o'clock. I know what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be watching that game. So, yeah. All right. Anything else? Precap. That's all I got. All we got. All right. So. Let's get into uh, to the Iowa State preview. Let's dig into the Clowns. Got the Riot Bowl here. Um, 3.30 kick. Iowa State opening 
as a six point dog. And, you know, it's never good to be or sorry, six point favorite. Yep. Iowa State opening is a six point favorite. West Virginia, six point underdogs. Never good to be a six point underdog in, you know, a game what is essentially for a, a battle for the bottom of the of the table in the Big 12 battle for the bottom of the Big 12 um, to to to, you know, for a little alliteration there. Um, Iowa State, three and five overall. 0-5 in the conference. Um, feel like they've kind of been the inverse of us, right? Uh, so they have one of, if not the best defenses in the conference. Yeah. Um, but objectively, I'd say the worst offense. Um, yeah. And just, you know, the, obviously that's the opposite of us. And just the way the conference is this year is, you know, if you're really bad on one side of the ball or if you're really bad at one thing, um, you're not going to win a whole lot of games. Iowa State hasn't. We haven't. Um, what's your What's your take on uh, – you know, big picture take on, on Iowa State. Big picture take, and maybe you could say similar about us, is when you look at box scores, um, they've kept a lot of games close. They lost to Kansas State by a point. They lost to Kansas by a field goal. They lost to Baylor by a touchdown. They lost to Texas by a field goal. So they were in a lot of games. This defense is stinky. Like, they are they are really solid. Uh, the Iowa State-Iowa game, Game of the year, if you're into that kind of thing, was a 10-7 football game. Disgusting um, human beings. Just, just if you if you subscribe to Sicko's community or committee, that's that's where it is right there. Um, but same sense as West Virginia. Uh, what have you gotten done this year? Well, you beat Ohio. That doesn't mean anything. You beat Southeastern Missouri. Um, so that doesn't mean anything. And you grind it out and literally <laughs> grind out against Iowa um, for a field goal win. Other than that, you have five losses in conference. Um, but yeah, this is, this is a strangely mirrored team to us. People always compare Ames and Morgantown as like similar college towns, I think. So, um, this is, this is us. They're just great on defense and bad on offense. Uh, we're all right on offense and really bad on defense and we're playing for loser takes the bottom spot in the conference. So this is like the, the down bad riot bowl this year for the gas can with the stickers on it. This is, if, uh, uh... If our powers combined, though, we'd be we'd be running, a, we'd be walking this damn conference right now. I'll tell you that. Give us their defense, give them our offense. Give that's JT, what. Yeah. JT Hutchinson. Oh my God! Give JT Hutchinson. <laughs> that, that's a twelve and zero team right there. Um, but alas, yeah. uh, you're not allowed to do that. Uh, nor would we want to. Man, fuck, fuck, fuck Iowa State. Um, had 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 some bad experiences uh, in Ames over the years um, yeah. where. You know, they make you a little nervous for this one, right? Because we've had some good teams go in there and get beaten. And here we have an objectively not good team. And it's just, you know, um, coming off two consecutive losses, we're three and five. This is one where, you know, it's uh, rock bottom did not come into play. We played well enough at home for the moral victory of we didn't get booed off of our own field. But now you're going to Iowa State as a rock three bottoms football team. Rock bottom's in play right here where... You know, you're a six-point underdog against the supposed worst team in the conference. Um, you lose this game, then then you're wearing that then you're wearing that badge, right? I mean, you lose this game, we're the worst team in the conference. Whoever loses this game is is walking away feeling comfortable that they are the worst team in the conference. Yeah, it's earned at this point. It's not like extrapolating. <laughs> it, these are the two bottom teams, and you're playing for the bottom spot. Uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, the disrespect just to and, and not that it's not you know, earned is the oh, six, earned. six point dogs to a team that has not won a conference game. I mean, that is where West Virginia football to is a team right. that's averaging 22 points offensively this year. I bet that's going to go up. 
the I West Virginia bump. The West Virginia bump. If anybody can get Iowa State over 30 points, it's us. I'll tell you that. They're, they're going to be beta ranked top 20 next week. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. Um, yeah, oh, so. Shit. Yeah, I think I think that's, I mean, the scene is set. This is a game that you're only watching probably if you're fans of these teams or you are just, you know, you got Big 12 football in your veins. This is this is a game for the fans. And, um, yeah, I mean, obviously both, both coaches a lot to play for here too. I mean, Campbell after what was supposed to be the best season of an Iowa State football ever last year, pretty disappointing. Coming into this, if you go 0-6 in conference, I mean, he maybe should have, should have run to a contract when he was being offered it. Um, I don't think they're going to run him out of Ames, but you know this would be quite the follow-up to, to what he had sort of built over the last few years. So, um, as always, I mean, this is the business. There's always a lot at stake in, in, in any game for the coaches specifically. So, um yeah, I'd say I'd say that's like the macro look at this game. I guess we can start uh, getting into the teams and, and kind of like you said, you know, this team the offense is is pretty subpar, you know, worse than average. It's probably the worst offense in the conference, yeah. um, but pretty solid compliment. This is basically Iowa State is basically Iowa. I mean, they, it's it's the exact same style if you watch any Iowa football. <laughs> Yeah, man. Uh, so, so the obviously we we kind of talked about it in in the off season when we were doing the deep dive. It's just a whole new set of skill players, uh, you know. So you lose you lose Brock Purdy, you lose Brees Hall, you lose uh, what's the tight end Charlie Kolar. Um, really, the only guy that they bring back is is Xavier Hutchinson. And when you look at at the numbers on this team, it kind of shows. Uh, you know, Xavier Hutchinson, 114 targets uh, so far this year. The wide receiver. Uh, which leads the country. That's through eight games, 114 targets. I'm not that great at math, but that's that's a whole, whole hell of a lot of targets um, per game. Um, but the new guy at the helm has been uh, – so Hunter Deckers, he was a four-star class of uh, 2019, same class that Brees Hall came in, um, kind of has been waiting his turn. I think he's been, he's been okay. Um, he's not overly explosive, uh, and unfortunately he leads the Big 12 with 10 interceptions. Um but he's been he's been fine. I think he's completing like 67, 68% of his passes. Um, he can run around a little bit and scramble a little bit, but I wouldn't say he's overly explosive as a runner either. I don't know. He's just kind of like a standard um kind of like an like a pretty average dual threat mm-hmm. kind of guy. I don't know. What do you think about Deckers? Yeah, I mean, caveat is he is a freshman. Um, so you know, this could be one of those dudes that annoys you for first years uh, to come. First year starter. I think he's I think he's a red shirt uh sophomore oh okay so but still he's one of these guys he could be the next brock purdy that stays around and just bothers you bothers you for years and years uh but yeah you nailed it i mean not fantastic in any any one thing you said he leads the league and i um in interceptions he also you know hasn't really gotten a lot of help in the running game or with his offensive line he leads the league in pressures as well so he's been pressured a hundred times in eight games so um you know just just really kind of getting thrown out there and, and figuring things out. He has one amazing weapon, and that is Xavier Hutchinson. Um, you know, absolute animal. This guy, six foot three, 114 targets on the season. Um, I think that might lead. You said that led the country. Maybe? Oh, it leads. It leads the country. It leads FBS. Yeah. So they got they got one guy who is responsible for a very large portion of their offense. Um, the, like I said, the running game really hasn't been great. Jarrell Brock is your main back. Um, not a lot of success. You know, like you said, Deckers can run, but 
Um, you know, he doesn't run as much as Sanders or, or some of the other guys in the league. So Martinez. So, you know, it's just kind of a, like you said, an average dual thread. And really, when you look at this offense, you know, kind of just one dimensional. And that dimension is throw the ball real, real high up there to Xavier Hutchinson. And that's honestly not a terrible strategy, um, especially against a defense like ours. That that might just be enough. So, um, eight, so this team just real quick is 81st in um, beta rank offense. They're 120th in effective rush. I mean, this running game is non-existent. I think most backs they have, they're all averaging like four or less yards per carry. Um, so just really haven't found anybody that's working in the backfield. 41st in effective pass, and that is heavily skewed to Hutchinson. Yeah, it's it's never a bad target, right? When you or never it's it's generally an effective pass if you're targeting Xavier Hutchinson. Um of those 114 targets, he's caught 76 for 810 yards, five touchdowns. I mean, like this guy, you know, there are there are more explosive dudes in the country, but I think I mean, he is an elite 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 possession receiver. Um catches most of the stuff you throw to him, you know, he'll have a drop here or there. I think, you know, three or four maybe this season. But on 114 targets, that's not that's not very many. Um and he's good after the catch. You know, he's he's hard to he's hard to bring down. He's a load, he's a big dude. Um and yeah, I mean, you know, I it's it's one of these situations where you you look you look around and you look at maybe kind of what we had to deal with the last couple weeks, especially this last weekend against TCU, where they have lots of guys who they can give the ball to, and all of them are dangerous. Um, it, it theoretically simplifies things when you know such a high volume, such a high usage rate uh, for for just one player, right? It kind of it kind of it's like boy, if we could just stop that guy, um, we'd be okay. Now that's obviously easier said than done because I, you know it's no secret that that Xavier Hutchinson is is where they want want the ball to go and he's still put up the numbers he's put up. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, you said it, you said it with Brock, uh, Brock's the lowest graded. It's so just to, to clarify that it's not just beta rank that thinks they suck at running the ball. Um, PFS has Brock as the lowest graded running back in the big 12. Um, and, and their offensive line has really struggled. You know, I want to say Gerard Hufford guard has played pretty well, but as a unit overall, they've been pretty bad. I think you mentioned all the pressures. Um, Football Outsiders does some run blocking metrics that that think they kind of suck at run blocking. They're you know 100 or 100 or worst out of the 131 FBS teams in, in most of the relevant run blocking metrics. So you know it's a it's a squad that struggled. They just don't have a whole lot of guys that it seems like they can give the ball to uh, and have good things happen. Like you know, and and that's why you drive so much of your volume to one guy. Yeah, and and just this was something I looked up that's kind of relates to us. I was looking at sort of trying to decide about Decker's. You know, is he holding on to the ball too long, or is the line not giving him enough time? And I, I really would lean towards the line's not giving him a lot of time. Um, he ranks you know towards the the lower part of the the Big Twelve in um, average time to throw. So getting out the ball quick. But as I was kind of doing that look. Um, and maybe you could guess the, the quarterback who gets the ball out the quickest on average in the conference is JT Daniels. Um, and, you know, obviously a lot of that is because of screen play, um, throwing a lot of screens. When you look at Deckers, they're not throwing near as many screens as us. So his is really like the, the line. They're not designing the ball to get out super quick. I don't think it, it's just he's not having time to throw, um, which, you know, when you're a young quarterback, that's not fun. 
Um, and, and I think this, you know, it sort of makes sense when you look into things like this, because what do you do when you're under pressure and, you know, you got to make a quick decision Well, you throw it to your, your safety net guy. And, and in terms of safety net guys, throwing the ball high up to Hutchinson is, is really, really not a bad option. So, um, yeah, I'm curious in our matchup, you know, Woods, assuming he can play, I think he's visited the health tent now in every game he's played this season which, you know, is, is kind of a bummer, but, you know, I think full intentions that he's going to be playing and, and he says he's being healthy. So um, you wonder how much Woods can take away Hutchinson or at least limit him. I don't think you fully take this kind of guy away. And then, you know, then it's it's the rest on the rest. And, and what does that matchup look like? They don't have any other target that has been, you know, overly productive, but, you know, we haven't been stopping a bunch of guys who we didn't know their names before the games either. So uh, once again, we're kind of falling into that matchup of, OK, let's just assume Charles Woods and, you know, another guy maybe can can take away Hutchinson. Well, what does that leave us? That 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 might be what it really comes down to. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the running game is what it is. Uh, we've been. Decent. I'd say we've been average to above average against the run for, for the most part this year. Um, we've gotten hit with some big plays. Um, obviously last weekend we got hit with some big plays, but I think generally I would feel okay. T- Iowa state's running game is not TCU's running game. Um, Jarrell Brock is not Kendra Miller. Jarrell Brock is not Amari uh, DiMarcado or Imani Bailey or Imani, uh, I think that's his name. The dude who ran the 30 yard touchdown. Um, this is not an explosive running game even when it's working uh, the way that they would hope for it to work. Right. It's uh, you know, Brock Brock's a load to bring down, not an explosive guy. Um, so I think we'll feel okay against the run. And then it really just comes down to, yeah. Can we slow down Hutchinson? Uh, can we slow down uh, Jalen Noel? I think is probably their second highest targets guy um, operates a lot out of the slot. Dimitri Stanley, probably the only other target worth mentioning. He's a transfer from Colorado and we've kind of seen what Colorado is this year. Um, yeah, I really think it, you know the, the the matchup. If if Charles Woods just makes it hard on Hutchinson, I think that goes a really long way um, to us slowing down, stopping this offense um, because they haven't really shown the ability to hurt you in any, many, any, probably any other way. Really, I mean that's kind of been the, the main way they've moved the ball, the main way they've hurt people this year. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is the weakest offense that we've played other than maybe VT. Um, Towson, obviously. Yeah, Towson. So, you know, I think versus VT, we could take away the run game, and, and, you know, that worked out well for us. I'm just curious now. You know, this team's definitely better at passing than VT was. So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, this is going to be a lower-scoring game. This isn't going to be probably a 41-31 game like we just saw. I think it's going to be a lower-scoring side. Um, And I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, like I said, the matchups and, and their defense. So, you know, if we want to transition to the other side of the ball, this defense, this defense borderlines on like an elite unit. This is a really good defense. Really good, yeah. Um, beta rank has them at number five in um, beta rank defense. And I would say a, a really nice split. So number eight in effective rush and 11 in effective pass. I mean, that's just really, there's nothing, uh, you know, take what the defense gives you. They, they don't really give a lot. Um, and I think this is something I love. I, I am so in the NFL, I'm a big Broncos fan. That's rough right now also, but whatever the, the Super Bowl team, the defense when in 2015, the defense was full of guys that in every layer you had like elite 
to like very solid guys. And I'm not comparing the defenses, but when you sort of look at this defense, um, you there's just no holes. It's like very solid. You got some decent depth, and you got just like you you have so many guys that can fill in and play at like a a mid to high level that there's just like I said, there's nothing that's really given, and you got a couple superstars sort of sprinkled in there. This defense is nasty. So the the best thing they're do they're at this season is is really just not giving up negative plays. Kind of a um, you know you might be able to move the ball down the field on them a little dink and dunk, but um, they're fifth in the country in stopping explosive plays. So really keeping everything in front of them, you're probably not going to gash them deep. You're probably not going to you know have a lot of explosive runs. And that's an interesting combo because we're not a super explosive offense, but we're good at kind of staying on schedule. Um, so that'll be sort of an interesting thing. Can we stay on schedule and then improve the red zone play calling and efficiency? Um, that that that's going to be something to look for. Yeah, I think it, it puts it, it puts those um, <clears throat> you know when you when you've created yourself a quality possession, when you created yourself a quality opportunity, can you get can you get six instead of three? I think we mentioned. You know, we had two possessions in the red zone against TCU uh, to start the second half last week. We got three points. Um, you know, that's that's kind of what Iowa State is going for. Um, but yeah, you you really, <clears throat> I mean, you said it. They 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 just have they have good players, two great players at all at all three levels of the field. Um, you know, starting up front, they have Will McDonald, um, who's back. Uh, is he the is he the reigning uh, defensive lineman of the year? Did he win it last year or? Did Felix and Adike, it was one of them. Um, I feel like one of them won it last year, and then one of them was the preseason pick this year. I can't remember which one was which. Um, But excellent pass rusher off the edge. Um, And so he's back. He's been really good. They have two other defensive linemen, um, Isaiah Lee in the middle, MJ Anderson on the other edge, who's been good. Uh, At the second level, they have Colby Reeder. So transfer from Delaware, who we highlighted in in our deep dive over the the offseason. Super productive, uh, super productive player makes a ton of tackles. Actually generates some pressure and is actually good in coverage too. So, you know, kind of a, a three way player. Um, ditto for Orion Vance, who's playing next to him. Um, and then, you know, on the back end, you have TJ Tampa, who's actually the highest graded defender on the team, uh, playing cornerback. Uh, Miles Purchase on the other side. Tampa's allowing forty eight percent completions on twenty nine targets. Purchase is allowing 41% completions on 27 targets. So, you know, two very good cornerbacks. And then they have safeties who are playing good. You know, they run that 3-3-5. Bo Freiler, Anthony Johnson Jr., both of them playing really well at safety. So, I mean, you know, there's there's no weaknesses. Um, There are some players who are, you know, maybe worse, maybe just not quite super top-level players, but they're not um, by any means sinking the defense. As you said, you know, I think it's probably the best – best defense in the conference so um a tough task this weekend uh for for our offense yeah you, i mean you know we moved the ball we were able to put up points but in the second half this week you know really just stagnated you know really didn't take advantage of opportunities like you mentioned the three points in the first two possessions in the red zone and those are the kinds of things in this game um you know we'll, we'll kind of feel it out and see what the vibe is but you you need to figure out how to get points when you get these opportunities because these long sustained drives are not a given on this team. Yeah, possessions are at a premium. They're, I mean, they run this, and it's been Iowa State's identity since Matt Campbell's been there. They're going to run a three-three-five, and they're going to rush three the majority of the time, and then just kind of run that base. Um, you know, 
drop five kind of in a in an intermediate layer and then have a couple guys on the back end making sure nothing big gets up gets uh gets out behind them um it's it's who they've been they're really really freaking good it's bend but don't break you know it's like the quintessential bend but bend but don't break defense in the in the conference i mean you just look at some of these offenses um kansas with jalen daniels they held him to 14 points um kansas state who just hung 48 points on oklahoma state they held him to 10 um texas who obviously you know they, they held texas to 24 texas had 28 on us at halftime oklahoma one of the best offenses in the country for the last decade uh held him to 27 last weekend so like you know nobody nobody has put up big points on these guys nobody has performed to their season average on these guys um, you know, the, the defense has been what has kept them in all these games. I think you mentioned, you know, a handful of games they've lost either, you know, by, by a field goal, by a touchdown. It's because people can't, can't score, can't score on them, can't move the ball. I mean, they're first, they're first in the conference. Um, I know we, we kind of lean more towards, uh, analytics, advanced stuff, uh, you know, um, away from the traditional stuff, but they're first in the conference in scoring and total yards. So, um, yeah, I mean they 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 have an identity and they do it really 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 well. Yeah, and and another thing that becomes important in games like this, um, or at least more important, is special teams. This is one field where position. Yeah, field position and like little special teams turnovers. Oklahoma scored a fake field goal touchdown on them mm-hmm. and a fourth and goal this week. So um, I know lots of people like to to kind of joke about the the Matt Campbell special teams being like his biggest weakness. The, the special teams um, have made a lot of mistakes at Iowa State, but that's something in a game like this. If it's going to be low scoring and possessions are at a premium, that uh, that could be a difference. And uh, I just had to take a peek at the beta rank special team ratings. Um, Iowa State's not good, but we are. West Virginia actually has the lowest special team rank in the conference. So, <laughs> I was going <laughs> to say, that. I was going to say, good, good for them because we suck at that shit. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, uh, so defense. I guess when we have the ball, um, what do you see? What do you What are you keying on? What are you watching? Any matchups? Any you know? What What are you looking at when we have the ball? Yeah, I think take what the defense gives you, in, and they don't give a lot. Um, you know, if they're going to run a lot of zone, I feel like, you know, we seem to, to have a lot of success in some of these, like comeback routes, especially with Caden Prather. Um, I'm a little worried about our running game, like what the depth situation is at this point. Like, I don't know if Mathis is going to be able to go. So we have Johnson and then who isn't even the fourth guy there. Jalen Anderson, the guy, the guy who was in on the game, the drive with three minutes left in the game. Yeah. Dropped the pass, handed them the ball on second down. And yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. I think yeah. just taking advantage of 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 the the how do I want to say this? I guess when you have the opportunities, you have to take advantage. Um, play calling in the red zone, I think, was a little questionable. Um, but you can say play calling or execution, whatever it is, you got to get points when you have the opportunity against this team, and and just keep the ball moving. You like I said, the the one thing about them is you're probably not going to get a lot of explosive plays. That's something we're not used to getting anyway. Um, but just keep moving the ball downfield, dinking and dunking. And man, just, I don't know, you know, the offensive defense, like splits we had in the last game. I, I hope there's not infighting. Cause I could imagine that both units were upset with each other at halftime or one would be upset. And then the other at the end of the game, um, 
But yeah, just complimentary football. If this is a slow scoring game, you, you got to be, you know, ready to go at any notice and, um, you know, just take the opportunities when they're there. Yeah, I think I think if I were if I were trying to sell some optimism about this game, which generally I would do, but at this point in the season, the three and five is is tough. Um, yeah, I would say that. I mean, they're they're going to run zone all the all the damn time. We've definitely been better against zone in the passing game than we have against man. Um, so I think that uh, that kind of plays into our hands a bit. Uh, they're not going to pressure a lot. They're going to just sit back and and kind of yeah, like we said, they're going to you know. It's 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 been but don't break, which generally means that the dink and dunk bullshit that we've uh, when we've been at our best, we've been really good at it. You know, avoiding negative play, staying on schedule. Um, so, you know, just in terms of a matchup, I think that even though they've been awesome on defense, like kind of the 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 styles of of our offense against their defense, it kind of favors us. Um, if I was selling optimism, that's what I'd say is, is that the way that we've been good this year is really effective against what they're trying to do defensively. Um, you just got to be who we are. Um, so yeah, I think, I mean, just be who we are is the key. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you don't know who you are, this is the ninth game in the season. That's, you know, maybe could be part of the problem, but, um, yeah, got to figure out. Not a great key. For me. Great. <laughs> you know but but you know that that's where we're at and you know that's why these two teams are in this position clearly both have flaws um both have some strengths like these teams aren't bad on both sides like they have you know they have clear strengths and weaknesses so um you know it is what it is at this point like i said i think i said it on last pod i'm always going to root for this team to win i'm never gonna you know root for the loss for the coach change or something like that but uh this is this is like you got to get off the mat game because uh, the loser of this, like we, we have said, is is clearly the the bottom in the in the Big Twelve Conference. So, yeah, I, so I, I guess that sort of wraps us up for tonight. Um, so you can get at us on Twitter. I'm at WV Stats Guy. He's at Game Day Shorts. We have a Twitter account for the pod. It's at West by Pod. You can also get at us on SmokingMusket.com. Um, and yeah, let's let's go get let's go get another conference win. Let's let's stay out of the bottom of the table, and you never know what can happen. Uh, four games to play. Uh, season has kind of flown by, to be honest. It, it's surprising we're in the last third now. West Virginia over five and a half wins is still alive at this point. So, wow, let's go, let's go, let's go get that dub, baby. Let's go, let's do it. <laughs> All right, guys. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.